yeah, I mean, our goal is always to increase the media under management. That's a metric mm -hmm. we look at, right, month over month, because if clients are investing more into the channels, that means that the numbers are backing out for them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to How to Scale an Agency. We're going to be focusing on all the ways in which your business can grow and scale online as a digital marketing agency. The digital marketing agency space has never been easier to get into. And on this podcast, we're going to help uncover all the tricks and tools of the trade that digital marketing agency owners are doing today to help them achieve the scale necessary to be wealthy, prosperous, and do good in the world. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, everybody. This is How to Scale an Agency. I'm on with Georgia, and he is the owner of 415 Digital. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what uh, 415 Digital does? Yeah, 415 Digital is uh, a five-year-old growth firm that helps businesses of all shapes and sizes and stages of development manage their advertising dollars across three primary channels, Google, ads, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Got it. And at the start of the conversation, you mentioned you guys are multi-seven-figure business. Would you mind me asking exactly how long your company's been around for? Yeah, we are uh, officially turning five years of age in nice. April of 2022. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, one thing I always lead with, with anybody who is running a multi seven figure business or above is uh, how do you look at scaling into particular niches? Cause you mentioned at the beginning that you guys uh, help businesses of all types with three primary verticals. Is that your strategy to work with everybody or do you have like particular niches that you work with better than others? I think uh, our strategy from the onset has been, less about the vertical or category of business and more about the fact that we are experts at buying media across those channels. Right. And so we've not gone to market with a vertical strategy, i.e. said, hey, we're specialists in telecommunications or financial services. Um, instead, we believe in our skill set deeply and believe that uh, that skill set is transferable irrespective of, of the, the vertical. And so Currently, our portfolio consists of a highly diversified roster of clients in different right. verticals, so B2B and B2C. And even within the B2B segment, true SMBs to enterprise clients. And so we have a lot of variety in the, in the portfolio. Nice. And with that variety, I mean, of the industries those companies are in, do they have any common characteristics or is it all pretty much different? All businesses, I would say, have their nuances. You know, our strategies are bespoke. So we don't look at one business and say, hey, we're going to copy and paste. We really try to understand, you know, each business, business's individual needs, goals and objectives, what their pain points are, and then create a strategy based on that assessment, right? And so right. I would say there's a lot of the process and methodology that is the same, irrespective mm -hmm. of the type of company we work with, small, medium, right. or large, but there are nuances to the approach that we factor in based on that individual business's needs. So some of it applies across the board, and then some of it is very specific to that client. Right. And uh, would you say that there is ever an issue with people undercutting you or competing against you who are 
a specialist in a particular niche. Like for instance, if you guys are claiming to be the best, um, the most specialized, the best at uh, your particular ad verticals, um, let's say somebody comes along and says, I work only with coffee shops, right? Um, or maybe to be more relevant, let's say that I work with Amazon stores on getting them to also sell more uh, through their website, through Google ads, let's say, right? And that's like their niche. Um, do you guys ever have issues with that? If you guys are pretty broad in terms of targeting multiple verticals, do you have any competition who just undercuts you like that? I mean, we have faced uh, other agencies in the RFP process who have positioned themselves as vertical specialists, mm -hmm. which um, in some cases uh, we've lost a deal because of that. Um, it doesn't happen often. It's probably happened less than a, you know, I would say probably two or three times in the last almost five years. And so there have been instances where we have lost to another agency that has positioned themselves as, Hey, we're going to work with you. And we only work with companies in this category and that prospect, it really mattered to them, uh, right. right or wrong. It, it, it doesn't really matter. It matters that yeah. they ended up being influenced by that marketing tactic or that, pitch. And so there have been instances where, where that's happened, but it's been far and few between. I think for us as a business, and I've always felt very strongly about this, if we're not good at something, we let a client know or a prospect know. It, it has to be something that we feel 100% confident in our capabilities. So we're very right. specific about what those strengths are. And if it's not mm -hmm. part of those strengths, then we are very transparent with the client and say, hey, we have not done a lot of TikTok, for example. You know, right. we haven't, uh, we don't consider ourselves TikTok uh, specialists, but if you're looking to find your accusers across, you know, Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn, we are very confident in our capabilities and our understanding of how to utilize those platforms in order to help you realize maximum uh, revenue opportunities, right? And so I think one thing that I've been very strict about is, is leading with what we're good at. And if it's not you know, it doesn't fall in that scope of work. Let the client know, hey, we're not good at this. And an example of that would be, hey, we're not a web dev company, a web website development company. We have clients that often come to us and say, hey, you know, we're sold on the media buying aspect of this scope, but we also need someone to help us kind of build a website, you know, right. or redesign an existing website. And we say, hey, we have developers on staff, but we want to be very honest with you and let you know that it's not really kind of what we are the best at you know there are yeah. other companies out there who could build a better website for you we can get a, we can get it done probably going to be a little bit more of a painful process because it's not really our core competency and so anytime something comes up during an rfp process or during a sales process um you know we very much stick to the strengths we have as a business if we're not you know feeling confident in, in what's being needed then we'll disclose that to the client and let them know uh, so that they can make the appropriate decision on whether or not to work with us. So how do you standardize the qualification process? I know one thing that uh, we have uh, encountered, partly why we've become more and more niche over time uh, with different product lines that are catered to just one vertical or another is because it required a good amount of management oversight to determine if somebody was qualified or not. And then we decided to, you know, have a qualifications checklist and everything like that. I'm just curious, do you guys do anything similarly or how do you, how do you standardize it? Or is it still pretty, pretty top down where like you basically have the final call or somebody who's in management has uh, the final call over whether you work with the client or not? Yeah, it's a little bit of a mixture. 
there are certain criteria that we look at and then some of it's just, hey, you know, we, we want to go along for this ride with this client. I would say to answer that question, it's evolved. You know, when we mm -hmm. started our business and we were more, for lack of a better word, motivated uh, to win business, we had, I would say, more loose criteria, right? right? Because we were starting a company and we wanted new clients and we wanted to generate revenue and we wanted to hire staff. And so I think initially we, we, we were much more willing to flex on things that now as a five-year-old agency, we are unwilling to flex on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that process has evolved or matured or become much more, I would say, strict over time, because now we're at a point in our agency where there's plenty of room to grow. Don't get me wrong. Right. But we are not desperate for business. And so yeah. because of that, we became a lot more selective with the type of companies that we want to work with. And so the criteria now is a lot around to me, it comes down to kind of what's between here. Like, do mm -hmm. we have a similar mindset as the people that we're talking to, the, the client, yeah. right? Are we thinking about digital similarly? We don't have to agree on everything, but overall is the direction aligned in terms of where this needs to go, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of that is sort of evaluated or assessed during our pre, our sales process, which is an audit, right? A pretty comprehensive right. audit. So through that process, we're able to sort of gauge, are we kind of on the same wavelength as this client in terms of what is needed to get the job done and right. uh, vice versa, they're, they're qualifying us to see if we're the right partner for them. So I think partly it's there. It's sort of like mindset. Are we aligned? Is the chemistry there? Will it be a very good working relationship where through the good and the bad, we're going to be able to have sort of make it work, right? right? Because inevitably in relationships, long-term relationships, it's not always sunny days. It's, there's going to be some, some rainy days. And so we want to make sure we can get through those days and, and sort of work it out. You know, aside from that, uh, you know, they have to be able to afford us, right? Um, yeah, I was going to say, business. it sounds like it, you guys charge probably higher retainer. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there, there are minimums now that we have that are higher than they used to be, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. And so now the barrier of entry has increased only because now we're a lot more selective with the clients and we're not looking to reduce our fees because now we have a better sense on what the expectations are from the clients we work with. And frankly, we only have one year. We don't have like a light version of our service. It's either all or nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I firmly believe in, not in sticking to your price because if you are confident in the value you bring and the, the value that will be derived by the client, then the price is a non-issue, right? Because ultimately the numbers are going to speak for themselves and then that right. becomes irrelevant. So, yeah. you know, they, they have to be able to afford us at some levels. You know, we have to believe in the product or service that we're marketing. We have to believe that there is potential and, you know, in marketing that product or service and that we can add value. If we don't believe that we can move the needle because of what we have to work with, then we're not going to take the deal. Right. 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 Is your minimum over five grand? Yeah. Our minimum is, is typically, I would say it's about $8,000 a month now. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Which yeah. makes total sense, by the way, that's actually how I do it with the agencies we work with. Uh, we do, and, and it makes sense because at a certain point, it's like, if you're going to be if you're going to deliver amazing results, if you're going to be hands-on, you need to be charging at least over five grand, in my opinion, right? Otherwise, you're you're getting 
you're you're not really getting enough funds to do anything differently or like anything special, right? And that and you can't hire the best talent. It it, it creates a lot of problems, I think, when you go too low with something that's bespoke. And it sounds like you guys do a pretty bespoke service. It sounds like you guys pay a lot of attention to your clients and that's a good thing. So one yeah, thing I'm two, curious two- yeah, and there are two things I would highlight, right, that directly correlate with the minimums, right? Number one is not all resources are created equally. What I mean by that is I can assign you a $5,000 a month retainer resource, right? But you're not going to be happy with that, right? And mm-hmm. so at $8,000 a month, that means I'm, I'm applying senior resources to your account, right? These are six-figure-a-year uh, people that are spending two-thirds of their time working with you, right? Obviously not full-time. That's one thing. And then the second thing is as an agency, we don't assign more than four to six accounts per team. So other agencies, and and I've heard this from speaking with other agency owners, also uh, candidates that have applied to work for this agency have told us this because this is what their load was. They're working with 15 plus accounts, right? Mm -hmm. And I always scratch my head and say, how can you actually do that? That seems like a lot to ask, right? Um, I don't see how you could do a good job if you had 15 accounts to work with unless they were true, true small businesses and you were just managing 15 to 20 of them because they were spending $4,000 a month, right? right? But in general, what we say is we don't want to burden our team with more than four to six accounts. We want them mm-hmm. to build really deep and intimate relationships with the clients, get in the weeds, you know, so that they're not sort of spreading uh spread too thin so i think it's like the level of experience applied against accounts and the number of accounts that our team manages allows us to in turn ask for those minimums because you know the client understands that they're getting a lot of value from that right i just had jake bohall with hive digital you may or not have heard of them before but they're just a seo company they're really good um kind of a similar position as you guys um and the thing with them is they, he told me that, you know, over the years, he's been able to take people who have that minimum retainer and get them all the way up to over a hundred thousand dollars a month in um, spend with them per month per account. Right. Um, do you guys have any accounts or clients that are spending those kind of numbers or, and is that your trajectory too? Do you try to get them over time to pay more money based on more hours of labor on that account or how, how do you look at it? Yeah. I mean, our goal is always to increase the media under management. That's a metric Mm -hmm. we look at right month over month, because if clients are investing more into the channels, that means that the numbers are backing out for them, right? No one would give us more money to spend on Google or Facebook if it was losing money. right? Right. So there's a direct correlation with increased media under management and fees. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're perfectly aligned. I've never you know, my background has been in performance marketing for 22 years. So I understand what that means. And yeah. so we are always aiming to get more budget from our clients because we know that um, our clients are all direct response marketers, right? So they don't, yeah. they don't pour more money into these channels unless it's performing for them, which it, there are different ways that they evaluate performance, right. but ultimately it has to perform or they're going to start pulling back, right? So yeah. we do try to, try to increase that uh, number but it has to, you know, perform and we know we're just not going to, we're not going to have that opportunity. Well, and these are all people that are already spending money already, right? Which is why they can afford your 8,000 or are they people who have never done it before? We, we have both. So we have true startups. I mean, we have, you know, companies that are sort of angel round uh, mm-hmm. to companies that are publicly traded, you know, doing you know, our biggest client does maybe 4 billion a year and is a publicly mm-hmm. traded company. Wow. Um, our smallest client 
you know, could be under a million a, a year. Um, you right. know, we have series A, B, C, D companies. We have, uh, you know, uh, some companies that are spending maybe $6,000 a month. And then we have, you know, a company that's spending maybe four or 5 million a month. So our average client spends about three, 350,000 a month in, in media. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's awesome to, to hear. And it, it makes sense then, you know, with your, uh, with your uh, retainer and, and how you guys price it, just because you mentioned performance-based marketing, do you guys have any sort of de-risking elements or offers or guarantees or anything in your offer? Or is it, um, I mean, is, is there really nothing because you're essentially selling the quality of your team and people just trust you blindly essentially because you're so good or how do you, how do you structure it? I mean, ultimately I never want to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't want to be in a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. So our deals are typically 12 months. We aim for mm -hmm. that. We don't get that hundred percent of the time. You know, we get that 60% of the time, you know, 40% of the time there are clients that are, are new to this or have had a bad experience previously and don't want to commit to something right away. And so they ask for a shorter term. I typically will not agree to anything less than four months, 120 right. days, because my belief is that this is not sort of a flip the switch, uh, see leads or sales come in, you, you know, take some time to see results. You know, there's you know, oftentimes we're walking into something, a home that needs complete remodel, right? So we right. have to sort of demo it to the studs and then sort of, you know, start working from the foundation up. So for us, this process takes time. And frankly, for me, psychologically, I want to make sure that this person is prepared to enter into a relationship with me for the long term. And so if yeah. you're looking at sort of a, a month to month deal, we're probably not the right partner only because I need to know that you're committed to see this through at least four months. If you're looking to make right. decisions after three weeks, to me, that's too soon and not enough of a commitment that you've demonstrated. Um, mm -hmm. So I think performance marketing is, you know, we control up to a degree, you know, but beyond that, it's, you know, we don't really control the entire process, right? Whether right. you're B2B or B2C, we can be really good at media buying and do all the right things. But ultimately, there are certain things that we just don't control. So it wouldn't be fair if things don't go right or, you know, for us to take the, the, the full blame. Right. And so yeah. I think what I, what I say is typically the compromise is, listen, I would want you to commit to 12 months. That being said, I understand that might be too much to ask given where you are in terms of a business. Yeah. Um, so my commitment is I'll, I'll do a shorter term, which probably means I'm going to lose money because mm -hmm. if, if you don't go beyond four months, I will have invested a lot, front-loading a lot of right. that work and those resources. So that's kind of the risk that I take, but it's, it's worth it because I believe so strongly in our capabilities. I mean, at the end of the day, you're selling a relationship, right? So that's the thing is yeah. you have these really good people who are working on these accounts, very smart people, you're getting paid a lot of money um, and you're selling a relationship. So when you sell that relationship, it's a different set of, de-risking elements um, that you usually would would toss in for something like that. So I totally get that. I totally get that. I think that's smart and fair, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I think one of the last things I'll touch on because I've kept you on for a while here uh, is is the is is the way to look at it when you're when you're going and scaling. Is it essentially to when you first start, you know, establish yourself, establish your credibility, 
uh, build a portfolio, but then every time you bring on clients, increase your prices. So that way you can do better work with the clients you have um, and create some sort of scarcity. Is that how you approach the business? Like, could you see yourself going from this price point where you're at now uh, to $16,000 to $20,000 and just keep increasing that minimum over time? Um, or do you feel like you've hit the top of your category that you're in, in terms of pricing and you feel like this is what you want to stay at for, or at least indefinitely? I guess it depends on what the strategy is as a business, maybe to take a step back as, as, as laying down some context here. So we are boutique in size, right? We have big agency experience, but we're small in size in terms of people and number of clients, right? And so one thing I'll say is our retention rates are well above the industry average. It's probably about 30 months. And wow. so a lot of clients will, they have a sales team and they turn and burn a lot of clients, right? But they bring in five, six, seven, ten 10 clients a month. They might lose six or seven clients a month. We're the opposite. We, we bring in maybe one, two clients a month, if that, and um, don't lose clients very often. We've lost clients, obviously. We're not batting a thousand, but we haven't lost uh, a lot of clients. And so, for example, we lost a client like two weeks ago that had been working with us for almost five years since we started. Wow. We're like, hey, we get it. Like it was a very amicable, amicable separation, right? The same person that we work with from the beginning, the CMO. Yeah. Just wanted, you know, new team came in, new, new set of eyes, you know, but it made sense, right? And so I think our strategy has been to deliver really good service, keep the number of clients reasonable relative to the, 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 the resources we have and focus on retention. Now, that being said, yeah. that might not be the, the future strategy. I think, yes, I'm okay with going up to higher minimums. What I found is that it would just take a special client to uh, mm -hmm. start commanding. If, if you're just doing media buying, right? If you start building yeah. in other services, then I think you can raise fees like minimums. But I think, you know, if you're just doing media buying without all this other stuff, there's only so much more I think you can move those minimums to because at the end of the day, there has to be other components that are built in, right? LPO, creative, dev, content. I mean, there are just so many other things that you need to package as part of that because as a standalone, you know, media buying is important, but I don't think it's going to command fifty to $60,000 in minimums that is, right. you know. Yeah, so. well, there's just, there's like inherent scarcity with what you're doing because like you said, you you guys are working with a few people at a time, which drives demand, right? And uh, that's a very smart business strategy. So I, I definitely think that's the way to go. So yeah, I mean, and thank you so much for being on this on this episode. I definitely want to, you know, try to get you guys back maybe in a quarter from now. It'd be really awesome to have you on. And uh, one of the last things we do <clears throat> on the podcast is uh, just do kind of like a rapid fire round to benchmark against other agencies and kind of uh, share exactly where you guys are some attributes of the business, but how old are you? Uh, the agency? Uh, no, you personally. I'm 45 years old. Got it. And then uh, you said the agency is five years old? Yes. Business book recommendations you'd, you'd give to the audience? Business book recommendations. Um, crossing the Chasm. Oh, yeah. That's the product book, right? It's about building yep. a... I haven't read that one yet, but I got recommended that one recently. So definitely we'll check that out. What's your end goal with the agency? Is, do you think this is something where down the road you'd, you'd want to sell it or, or do you think you'll harvest it for indefinitely? 
indeterminate at this point. <laughs> well, I think that that also depends because I uh, have a business partner who has uh, an opinion on that. So ultimately, we'd have to decide on on that between our mm-hmm. ourselves. But I think you know, for me, maybe uh, you know, being acquired, maybe merging, maybe I don't know. You know, I think for now we're content. We're focused on scaling the business. We believe small can be good. You know, we want to grow our headcount. We want to grow the number of clients. But I think um, right now we're just kind of heads down on just focusing on doing good for our clients and, and kind of scaling the agency. I love that. And how would you value, you know, your average $1 million company, let's say? Like, would you value it on a multiple of EBITDA or revenue? And what would you give as a valuation? For our company? Well, just in terms of, yeah, like let's assume that it's the same type of business model. Would you value something like yours based on a revenue multiple or would you value it on an EBITDA multiple? And and how do you look at that valuation for agencies? Because this is kind of a black Um, hole for people. People don't really, I mean, they kind of know how to value agencies, but I get different answers from people. So I'm curious. I mean, I think there's, there's a, I've seen a lot of, I've looked at companies to acquire and I've seen a lot of, uh, I've seen a range there, right? I think it's EBITDA. Um, maybe uh 4x multiple mm-hmm. what's your what's your That's, opinion on that one i yeah no flipping the question back around i uh i actually agree with you i think 4x multiple i think there's definitely um i just had a did a webinar with uh or I would, not with but i was in the webinar with um ryan swank i think is his name but he sells and buys agencies and he sold like his own agency or something he's he's a really interesting guy he said that he was saying like 2x ebitda which you know, maybe, but I would say that the thing I've noticed is there's a lot of people who don't pay themselves so they can sell. So that makes it look yep. like their EBITDA is higher. We pay ourselves pretty well. So like yep. the EBITDA is a little lower, it, but then if you yep. add that back in, it's higher. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I've seen P&Ls, which are saying they're worth some number, but then More I look at how much they're paying themselves and I'm like, okay, yeah. well, if I paid myself nothing, then yeah, I would probably get a higher valuation too, you know? So it's a tricky thing. I think there's the thing about agencies on like software companies is there's so much FOMO with software that people are just going to buy it. Right. But with agencies, it's like you almost have like this, you have to almost kick in and trigger a harvesting process or like time period before you could sell, you know, where it like shows that you are consistently profitable for like a time being, or you're making the kind of money that you can sell for and just a different kind of thing. But yeah, I would say I'd agree with you Forex revenue up to maybe like 1.2, X revenue or so 4X EBITDA to 1.2X yeah. revenue, something like that. It's about right. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, thank you so much, Borja. I got the name right this time. Um, I was yeah, joking no, at the beginning because okay. uh, my real name is Lucas Capistani, not James. So people people get that wrong all the time. But thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, hopefully get you back here sometime soon. Did you uh, have anything you know for the audience? People could reach out to you for anything, any agency owners, partnering, anything like that? Yeah, no, I mean, I, if, uh, you know, you're interested in uh, speaking with us, uh, you know, as it relates to Google, Facebook, LinkedIn marketing, uh, whether you're B2B or B2C, whether you're a, a new company or an old company, um, you know, we're really good at, uh, at that. So happy to talk to anybody. You can go to for www.four15digital.com for more information. But uh, thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Borja. And this is uh, How to Scale an Agency. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, check out 415digital.com. Uh, it's a great company. Uh, and, you know, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show.